Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogix. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I am Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogix. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. If you have any questions or comments or any suggestions for future podcasts, please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Judy Holcomb-Williams. I'm an advisor, consultant, and executive life coach, providing support for individuals, teams, and organizations reach the next level of success and thrive through reinvention. I've spent the last 20 plus years of my career as an HR executive and change leader and recently have been facilitating and participating in discussions around the future of work. My name's Chris. I'm an applied anthropologist. I'm originally from the Richmond, Virginia area, but by weird twist of fate, I ended up going to Durham University in the UK to do a PhD in anthropology where I focused on public space and how culture forms within spaces. After my PhD, which I finished in 2017, I then went to uh, Hungary, where I worked remotely for a startup called Javelin, which focused on building trust and social cohesion in cities. After a year and a half, I then returned to the US in January of 2020. And that's really where I began to explore the workplace and how culture forms within workplaces. Recently, I've been participating in various workplace evolutionaries events, and I've been articulating how applied anthropology contributes to workplace strategy and design. And so that's why I sometimes refer to myself as a workplace anthropologist. And right now what I'm doing is I am working with a workplace management software company called Facility Quest to help them understand what types of data needs strategies solve going forward. And then I'm also working with a commercial real estate organization to look at well-being, the workplace, and how we can create regenerative workplaces. So thanks a lot for bringing me into the panel, and I look forward to future discussions. But Judy, so it's interesting that you talk about innovation because mm-hmm. this is something that, again, I've I've heard as of late, and it's it's definitely a topic of conversation around the requirement for people to be in the offices for innovation. But if you kind of take a step back and you think about the majority of companies and specifically about innovation, is that more of a buzzword, right? Is an excuse to bring people back into the office? Is there real innovation happening? Because I think, I mean, if you think about the newer companies, so the tech startups, the companies that don't have high dependency on physical space, they're innovating, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're they're really successful in what they do and have a minimal dependency on physical space to do that. So it kind of challenges that whole idea of the physical proximity to be innovative. As I said, there's lots of research going on out there and they're showing that these weak ties, that when Mm -hmm. people are virtual, the weak ties, that connectiveness, that ability to just reach over and talk to somebody Mm -hmm. is really critically important when they're talking about knowledge sharing jobs or innovative or jobs that include a lot of innovation within its with within their responsibilities. For example, I think 
IBM is pulling people, I think it was IBM, I think we were talking about, is pulling people back in, right? So, because they saw their productivity decreasing. As they moved everybody remote, they've been slowly pulling people back in to an on-site environment so that they could see a more effective work environment that would allow these people to innovate and knowledge share, and hopefully their productivity would go back up again. Thinking about companies that are considering bringing flexibility into their future of work planning, and you have these companies that are saying, no, we're going to go back to the way we used to be because of productivity or whatever, and we want our people to come back into the office 100%. How effective or how successful do you think those companies would be in two, three years' time from now when flexibility becomes more mainstream? Do you think that they would be behind the eight ball because they haven't fully adapted and they're kind of still stuck in their ways of how they think about work today because they think that that is the better way to approach it and therefore would be further behind when everybody else is further ahead in flexibility? Like looking into a crystal ball, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's an element of there's an element of understanding, you know, who you are as an organization. As we said at the beginning flexibility doesn't necessarily mean work from home or work from anywhere or work remote or whatever term it is that you want to use. Mm -hmm. And so it could be people are returning back to the office, but potentially not working the way that they were working before, right? Mm -hmm. So some understanding of, okay, well, what's changed? But I still think that if other companies are moving in, in the flexible working direction outside of the office, companies who are not adapting that, I think will will face some some backlash. You know, they're gonna have a harder time attracting and retaining staff because they can go work at another company and get the flexibility. Do you think that that's gonna be problematic when it comes to attraction and retention? I'm gonna say no, because I think there's many factors that go into why somebody goes and works at a certain organization, right? So we think about culture, we think about mentoring, we think about opportunity, we think about all these number of factors. I think, you know, I think each company really has to reflect on what's going to be best for them. And I think quite honestly, there is a short-term solution to be dealing with what we're seeing right now in regards to ensuring the well-being of our people. So I think a lot of companies are taking into consideration a very serious thing into consideration, the psychological well-being of our employees, making them feel safe. So they have this very flexible arrangement going on right now. I think there will be a midterm solution where some companies may skip the midterm, but some companies may move into a midterm solution where we see this hybrid, co-locate, still testing the water, testing things out. You know, I think there will be a long-term solution once we see the pandemic has moved on and we're not, you know, we're not dealing with that. And I think companies will relook again at working arrangements from a long-term perspective. And I think a smart business would be doing that planning today, would be really thinking to themselves, what makes sense for us from a business and what makes sense for our people? And I go back to that word again, effectiveness. You know, what's going to have our employees be the most effective effective that they can be, because as we know, the more effective, engaged employees you have, 
you know, the more sustainable your business should be. So I think businesses should be really looking from this from two, two points of view, right? What's good for the business and what's good for the people. So when you talk about effectiveness, I'm assuming mm -hmm. that you're referring to productivity, right? So could be one factor. What, what other factors might be? Could be productivity. It could be maybe your job needs to be very interactive with other facets of the organization. Could mm -hmm. be something around that off the top of my head. I think each company has to sort of, I'm sorry, it sounds like a, a business answer, but I think each company has to define what effectiveness means to, mm -hmm. to, to them, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. I think it, they have to define that themselves because everybody does something different. Chris, what do you think? Well, I think, I mean, just to go back to what you were talking yeah. earlier about weak ties and strong ties, that's part of, from an anthropological standpoint, a tie is a connection between one person or another within a network. So you're really talking about social cohesion and what a weak tie is good for is it's good for knowledge transfer and it's good for connecting groups of people who might otherwise be separated. And so weak tie is sort of like a bridge in a way. It's the type of, it's the person you don't really communicate with that much or the type of person you don't really collaborate with that much. They're not necessarily in your department. They're not necessarily in your team, but there's someone you see, you see every now and then, like maybe in a cafeteria or maybe uh, more formally in a meeting occasionally once a month. And so you kind of have a connection with them, but you don't really, but if you had a problem you needed to solve, they could reach out to you and vice versa. A strong tie is more of more about support, really. It's more about these are the people you collaborate a lot with and these are the people you interact with a lot. And so they're like within a work setting, they're your immediate team or just overall, they could be your family members or your close friends and associates. And so that's where the interaction and the exchanges are more frequent. So the way that in social science, these relationships are built as often through exchanges and interactions, like the ways that you interact with someone else, you might send, not just send a message, but you might send an invitation to join a meeting to collaborate with someone, and they may do the same to you. And that's a kind of exchange. And I think just to connect back to the current topic, and so if we're talking about the work situations or to use the phrase, the work ecosystems that are being built, the hybrid ones where you might go into an office, you might go into a co-working space and then a central office too. And then you might be at home for some of the rest of the time. Then how do you sustain a network across all of that? And so I think that's one of the types of things that businesses should consider as well. And so it's great to have everyone be able to work wherever suits them. It's great to have that flexibility. It's just also a matter of having that infrastructure in place. So what kind of rituals or what kinds of way, what kinds of platforms will you use? How will you actually, if you're not connecting with each other every day in the office, then what is gonna take the place? What's going to take the place of a supposedly spontaneous coffee meeting? What's going to take the place of being able to go into a cafeteria or a cafe and just find someone's kind of the serendipitous interaction? What's going to take the place of all that sort of informal things that go into making the formal things work? And I remember even during the beginning of the pandemic, some of the earlier surveys that came out highlighted that collaborative work, the effectiveness was decreasing. 
due to the remote work setting. But it's really not necessarily whether the work gets done, which is the issue. It's more of the collaboration and more of also to use another social science word, the trust and social capital. How are those built? So I think that's what's key to me is really how do businesses, in order to create the environment that best suits them, businesses are also going to need to figure out how do the people within the organization work and how do they collaborate and how do they want the teams to be structured? So it's all about organizational design too. So I think there are a lot of issues at play that organizations will need to consider. Well, what's interesting too is is when you talk about hybrid and sort of these all of these challenges in terms of who's going to be working in the office, who's going to be working out of the office, and just the concept of hybrid working, even through the designation of who is a flexible worker and who isn't, I think it's still going to create challenges because if you're in a situation where you are going to allow certain people or say, okay, these designated job functions can work out of the office, and then another set of people will be working in the office, the people that might be working in the office might, like that whole collaboration thing is is completely lost in some regards because there still has to be virtual collaboration, right? It's, unless you're bringing everybody back in to the office to sustain, you know, this serendipitous collaboration and meeting of the minds, as soon as you're stepping into flexibility, it's the assumption is, is that there's going to be virtual collaboration as part of your everyday experience, regardless of whether you're in the office every day or not, right? The other thing also is when you talk about serendipitous sort of interactions, when I think of that, you know, I've, I've heard a couple of people say, you know, you miss that sort of element of the office, but the serendipitous component to me is seems to be much more social than it is work-related, right? So a lot of people do miss that sort of social interaction of work, but is that really what the office represents, is the ability to be social rather than the ability to actually get work done? And I'm just kind of questioning, what is the purpose of place when you think about all of the research and all of the feedback and the comments of people about their experience having been out of the office for a long period of time, there's the social element as human beings that we're missing tremendously, which somehow gets rolled into being work, but it's not really work. It's it's a social aspect of work. Because again, I think about, you know, I've, I've been working from home for over 25 years. And I remember when I first started working from home, it was pretty lonely. Like it took about three to six months before I started getting into my groove. And even then, every once in a while, I would just pack up my stuff and go and work at the local coffee shop just to hear people or just to see people, right? And that was enough to be able to do that, you know, one or two days a week, even if I didn't interact with someone or if I had a random conversation with someone, that was enough for me from a social perspective. But it it wasn't because I needed to go into the office to do work. It was more just to be around people. Well, thank you very much to both of you. Really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a lot more to be said, to be discussed, and I look forward to future conversations with both of you. So thank you again for your time today. Thank you.